Wants are unlimited, but resources always limited. So, how do you distribute your limited resources between your competing and potentially unlimited wants to achieve a fulfilling outcome for your life? That is what we figure out on The Money Spot. Welcome to The Money Spot, the show where we answer your money questions. I'm your host, Heather Katsonga Woodward, and in this week's episode, we have a COVID-19 related question from Nicola. Hi, Heather. It's Nicola. I'm fortunate enough to still have a job right now. Most of my friends have lost their jobs and it's just made me realize that if I'd lost my job, I wouldn't be able to survive at all right now. I have no savings, I have debts, and I spend all of my earnings each month. What do I need to start doing now, like right now, to ensure that by the time the next crisis hits the economy, I'll be able to survive regardless of my employment situation? Thanks for all of the financial knowledge you share. Thank you very much for this question, Nicola. The reason I like this question is that it captures, at a high level, a lot of the questions that I've been asked by quite a few people. Now, because I know who you are, you know Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey is having an absolute field day with this COVID-19 pandemic and the associated financial crisis because his very conservative school of advice is exactly the type of financial planning that you need to survive an economic crisis. And it works especially well if you're in the type of job that is insecure and disappears in a market downturn. Go to his channel on YouTube and he is all about the I told you so. Well, he says, I'm not telling, saying I told you so, but absolutely a lot of what he says just has that undertone of I told you so. And rightly so. I love Dave Ramsey and I agree with a lot of what he says. Anyway, quite soon after the global COVID-19 pandemic hit in 2020, stock markets around the world plunged to 2017 levels. Lots of investors got scared and decided to hold their money as cash. However, those of us that follow the Warren Buffett School of Investing were not selling any of our shares. We continued buying as usual. I do it at the end of the month, so whenever people invest, but at the now lower prices to reduce the average price at which we bought our shares. It turns out to have been a good idea to just hold on because portfolios have bounced back very rapidly, but it wouldn't have mattered either way. Those of us with a 15 plus horizon for our investments have plenty of time to recover and make fresh gains. Investing consistently over time, and especially when stock prices are falling, helps to reduce the average price at which you buy your shares. This is called dollar cost averaging. So if you hear the term dollar cost averaging, they're basically talking about investing at consistent times, uh, regardless of what the price is, so that the average price at which you bought your shares is lowered by the times when the prices are low. Getting your financial house in order takes time. It is definitely not an overnight thing. If you have a low income or significant debts, it can take very many years indeed 
But these are the fundamentals you will not have regretted following in a world where the next crisis is always just around the corner. I don't claim to have created a new financial world order here. The principles I like and follow have been collected from many financial authors over the last 15 years since I've been working. 1. Create an emergency fund as well as an ad hoc fund, or they can be combined if you like. I'll explain how in a moment. You need to have an emergency fund, I would say, of at least £1,000. This will cover most emergencies. If you're a student, a £500 emergency fund should be sufficient. I use 60% of our £1,000 emergency fund to buy a freezer just before the UK went into COVID-19 lockdown uh, because we only had a 70-30 fridge freezer, which means the freezer portion is tiny. I've personally always preferred fresh fruit, veg and milk to frozen or canned stuff, so it was never a problem before. But having such a low stock of food made me properly anxious, and I'm not even the anxious type. I won't tell you the drama I went through to get what was probably Britain's last freezer from a back alley warehouse shop, but I do know I am definitely not the only one that had some kind of emergency when COVID-19 hit. If you did use your emergency fund, then please share how you used your particular fund in the comments. Just click on the resources in this post podcast episode and you can comment on the blog post. If you didn't have to use your emergency emergency fund, that is awesome. But I know you will have had a certain level of peace of mind by having had that £1,000 emergency fund set aside in case you actually do need it. An emergency fund is there to be used for any expenditure that you feel has to be made but had not been budgeted for, like a car breakdown, an unexpected medical expense, whatever your emergency is. How should you set up your emergency fund? Well, many UK savings accounts and current accounts are completely free, so I'll just add a savings account at your existing bank and build your emergency fund there. With lots of banks, you can see all your accounts in one face, so once you've logged in, you can see all your accounts in one screen. So it makes it pretty easy to add an additional account and add money to that account regularly or just as a one-off. We also used, as in my household, also used the emergency fund for ad hoc expenses. I call it ad hoc expenses. So it gets topped up monthly to accommodate what we call ad hoc expenses. These are expected annual expenses that we personally prefer to pay for annually rather than by monthly direct debit. Ad hoc expenses include things like car insurances, MOTs, car service costs, car tax, buildings and contents insurance, and other types of insurance. So for example, if you figure out that these sort of one-off expenses will total £1,800 every year, then you need to add an extra £150 every month to your emergency fund. Sometimes it'll dip below the 1000 but because it's topped up religiously every month, it will get topped up again. And if there are annual expenses that are all bunched up, you may find that at some times of the year, your emergency fund is well above the £1,000, but that's okay because you know that the money is there for a specific purpose. 
Paying for lumpy expenses annually rather than monthly gives you the same peace of mind as just buying things for cash. You've paid for it. It's done. And frequently, paying for it once a year is cheaper than setting up a set of payments over the course of the year. Of course, if it costs exactly the same to pay monthly as it does annually, then that might be the better option so that you can even out your cash flows. Your alternative option in terms of how you set up your emergency account and your emergency fund and your ad hoc account is to just get two different split bank accounts, given it's free, and you have all your annual expenses in one account and your emergency fund as sacred and never touched and not topped up unless it's been used up. It's your choice. Combine them or have them separate. Two, my second tip for you in terms of setting yourself up for the next crisis is to get to debt freedom. You will not ever regret having paid your debts off completely. Those that had zero debt when COVID-19 hit will have been best placed weather the storm because they have no debt payments to be making in addition to their usual costs of living. So it makes their life that much cheaper or it makes it that much easier to conserve cash. If you want to tackle your debts in a systematic way, get my notes to debt freedom. Just Google my name and notes to debt freedom and you'll find them. If you want to search for them now, go to katsonga.com forward slash coach and near the bottom of that page, there will be a link to my notes to debt freedom. If you do have outstanding debt, then create a proper plan so that in under three years and ideally within 12 to 18 months, you will be completely debt-free. My notes to debt freedom will guide you through that process. Three, set up a crisis fund to give yourself peace of mind when the next crisis hits. The crisis fund is completely different to the emergency fund. A crisis fund is there to protect you against times of unemployment. The usual advice is to maintain three to six months of expenses to protect yourself against those periods of unemployment. If you have a budget, then you can easily calculate which expenses would continue, whether you are unemployed or not. And for guidance on creating a budget, plus a downloadable spreadsheet to create a budget, see my article, I Hate Budgeting, Am I Doomed to be Broke? Google that and that blog post will come up so that you can get the spreadsheet and the tips. Three months of living expenses is considered enough if you have a safe, recession-proof job that's likely to be easy to find again should you be unemployed for a period. Think nurse, doctor, accountant, delivery person, bin man, etc. If there's one thing that is being amply revealed during this COVID-19 pandemic, it's the types of jobs that are safe and essential to our day-to-day life. A recession is not the only reason you might need to take time off work, so that's why you need a crisis fund even if your job is recession-proof. If you disliked your work environment because it was toxic, for example, you might prefer to leave even if you haven't secured another job to move on to. So do that. Set up your crisis fund. And if you send your children to private school, I would add at least a term of school fees to the crisis fund as a security blanket for always having at least enough money for the next term. And finally, if you have a property portfolio, then add another three months of related expenses. You can make a reasonable judgment on this. For example, if you have a large property portfolio, then this might not be necessary as 
you can make the judgment that some properties will always be occupied to support those properties that are not occupied. If you have lots of buy-to-let mortgages, though, then do make a reasonable vision to accommodate continued payment of mortgages, even if you lost a significant portion of rental income. If, when COVID-19 hit and we went into lockdown, you had a fully funded emergency fund, a fully funded annual expenses or ad hoc account, you had no consumer debt, only your mortgage and perhaps some student debt, and by the way, any borrowed money other than a mortgage or a student loan is consumer debt. And finally, if you had a fully funded crisis fund, then you'd have been feeling pretty secure about your finances. So Nicola, that's what I would say you need to do in order to be confident about your financial life when the next crisis hits. If you have a mortgage-free portfolio of buy-to-let properties, then you'd be feeling even more secure. With the stock market crash, it's always best to write it out and not sell any of your shares because selling would just convert paper losses into real losses. And if you have a fully outright owned property portfolio, you could still continue to enjoy income stability in addition to having a healthy balance sheet, as I've just outlined. And to clarify, my household is not in the perfect situation. I am not making any judgments, I never would, but we've been working towards what I am telling you and we will continue to do so. Our plan is to get to the above situation within about 10 years and I think we are at about year two. Thankfully, we both still have our jobs so we can continue focusing on the plan. And as I said, this plan takes time. Getting to a fully funded crisis fund and I want to get completely mortgage-free on, on any buy-to-let properties you've got, you've got is not an overnight process. Finally, on getting to a safe and secure position for the next crisis, get an affordable mortgage. You know, if you've got an affordable mortgage, it creates less financial pressure in your life. If you're in a relationship, an ideal goal would be to have a life that is affordable on the lowest of your two salaries. Of course, I'm assuming that you both work here. If you don't both work, then it is what it is. So whatever your mortgage is, that mortgage and all your other costs of living should be affordable on the lowest of your two salaries. Not entirely possible for all people. However, one way to work this is to have a very long dated mortgage, say a 30 or 35 year mortgage instead of a 15 year one. And in good times, make overpayments as though it were a shorter mortgage. However, in a crisis, you'd just reduce payments on the mortgage to conserve cash. I reduced payments on one of my buy-to-let mortgages as soon as the COVID-19 lockdown hit. And my situation was the monthly repayments over the last year had been set at 2,500 a month, which was 900 more than the mortgage deal required me to pay. In fact, the interest on that mortgage is only like 500 per month. So once I thought, e, it's time to be careful here, I called the bank and reduced the mortgage payments by 900 pounds to conserve the cash in case I lose a tenant. This can work in exactly the same way for your personal mortgage. And by the way, if I lose a tenant, I'll just call the bank and ask to pay interest only until lockdown is over. My bank would probably be completely fine with that given my level of overpayments far exceed what they expected on the mortgage deal anyway. 
But even if I hadn't been doing this, banks are much more flexible than you might believe. In terms of doing this for your own home, your residential home where you live, what I've done in the past is in order to cash flow manage for periods of low income is by getting an interest only mortgage deal on the home and then making excess payments either to the tune of what I'd be paying if it was a normal repayment mortgage or more than that. And the intention is always to cut right back down to interest only should times get tough such that we need to live on just one salary. However, interest only deals with a good interest rate are much harder to secure nowadays than they were in 2010 when I last got a residential interest-only mortgage on an absolute great deal. If your mortgage becomes unaffordable for any reason, call your bank and get a mortgage holiday. The media right now has made it sound as though mortgage holidays are something banks are doing as a one-off exceptional thing for COVID-19, but the truth is banks are always willing to give people payment holidays if they can prove that they're needed. Your bank would prefer not to have the hassle of repossessing a home if there are other workarounds. So that wraps up the sort of key big picture things you can do to crisis-proof your finances. However, I thought it would be nice to cover a few habits of a lifetime that might help you survive the crisis. No matter what your personal finances look like, the one thing you can do right now is look at your monthly and annual budget with a fine-tooth comb and figure out how to cut your cost of living. If you have a very expensive lifestyle, this is the time to think through your habits. If you want me to help you rework your finances, just schedule a call on my website. There's a request a call button on the coach page. Sometimes you just need an independent party to point out where you could possibly cut back, you know, the non-essentials that you began to see as essential. Being confined to your home is not easy, especially if you enjoy being out and about. The plethora of memes that have hit our WhatsApp screens show just how much people are struggling to keep themselves entertained during this period of lockdown and social isolation. If your job, like mine, can continue as normal even from home, then you have less time to get bored. However, this is the time when you can work on things that you wanted to do before because you don't have a long commute. So you might engage in some indoor exercise like yoga, pilates, strength training, sit-ups, push-ups. I'm so very envious of all those that are using this time to get their ab game in tip-top shape. Uh, you might engage in some blogging if you love to write. This is the time to start working on those writing skills. If you into cookery and crafts, Try out all those recipes that you've wanted to try. Spend quality time with your children, like actually engaging with them and listening and getting to know your children's personalities really well. These are just a few ideas, and I'm sure you have more. Once the initial overwhelm and disruption to normal life created by the pandemic and the lockdown subsides, you will have the mental bandwidth to figure out how you can make the best use of this time. Oh, and by the way, watching endless YouTube videos of all the skills you'd love to develop doesn't count. Start working on something that you'd never have otherwise had the time or opportunity to explore. In summary, to get your financial house in order, one, 
build a 1,000 pound emergency fund, or 500 pounds if you're a student. Two, build an ad hoc fund for annual bills and add an amount to it every month equivalent to the total annual bills divided by 12. Three, build a crisis or unemployment fund with three to six months of expenses, including a term of school fees and enough liquidity to support your rental portfolio. Four, have an affordable mortgage. Five, assess your expenses today to see where you can cut back. Six, if you don't have life insurance or a will, this is a good time to get that in place. Seven, engage in positive hobbies to distract you from focusing too much on COVID-19. I hope this helped. My prayers are with those that have lost a loved one or suffered a job loss at this already difficult time. Lots of love and adoration. And thanks for asking the question, Nicola. Thank you for listening. If you want to ask me a question, read my blogs, or support this show in any way, please type themoneyspot.co.uk into your address bar and you'll be redirected to my website. I also now have a few products for you on there. My property course is currently the best rated UK property course on Udemy for people who are starting out and you'll love my notes to debt freedom as well as the pamphlet on avoiding the motherhood poverty trap. Last but certainly not least, if you're enjoying listening to my podcast, I'll be very grateful for your five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. If I don't yet deserve your five-star, please let me know how I can earn it. Enjoy! Enjoy!